What is up, everybody? I'm Outraged. Episode 9, I think, um, came off of an episode last week that was a shocker for many people because a lot of you guys had not seen Fusu Vu on a camera, in the streets, anywhere for over a year because the last time that he featured was on this very show. Um, I've got a guest tonight that I have featured on his podcast in the past, and it's somebody that I see in the content creation field really grinding, doing some really unique stuff, and I think he's actually on the cutting edge of a lot of it, so I really want to talk to him about that. So let's bring him on right now, Mr. Alan Soslowski. What is happening, man? Oh, I, what's it going? I'm not outraged, but I too am a Jew. Yes, Yes, you listen, I don't want to characterize, but if you and I walked around an event and talked and at the end they said, okay, of these two guys, who who is more of a Jew? Who do you think is the actual one and who's not? I think well, you would get 10 out of 10 selections. Oh, really? Because I don't, you know, I always say I'm not Jewish. I'm Jewish. Oh, yeah. Jewish, no, you, know? no. Yeah. you have the tendencies. You've got, it's audible you, to you me. Can, you could say I'm nebishy. It's okay. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's good. Well, let's let's start by saying what's up to everybody in the chat. Cody, what's up? Joel, my man, what is up? Franz, Franz, Franz. That name always trips me up in here. Phil, Dynasty Barry, what's happening? Thank you guys uh, for showing up. Um, Alan, listen, man, um, I opened up the show kind of talking about this, but the stuff that you're doing with content creation, um, some of these like short videos, some of these, and I don't know if it's on TikTok or where they're derived from. So feel free to jump in on that. But the stuff that you've been putting out really to me is sort of the, the infusion of the two worlds that I see coming together. Like TikTok got very popular, the quick, fast, like changing screens, cut scenes, things are popping up. That became sort of the market that I think most people are becoming accustomed to where sort of the long drawn out, slow format, you know, nothing flashing in your face is kind of disappearing. And I see you releasing some of this content. And to me, it's really exciting as a content creator, man. So kind of tell me like, like how, how are you getting to this point now? Like what sort of were the steps that got you to this like new evolution of content creation? Yeah, you, you do video, so you understand this, and I could talk about this stuff all day, but there's a land grab uh, for TikTok and short-form video right now, right? There's there's a demand for it, and that's how, I mean, the fastest-growing demographic to consume that type of content is not 14-year-old teenagers dancing anymore, right? right. It is 30, it's 35 to 50-year-old men, right, and yep. adults that want to, um, to get these quick-form videos. Instead of just Googling something and finding a piece of uh, information and uh, reading about it, they want to see a video on it. It's actually the third largest, TikTok itself is the third largest search engine after Google and YouTube. So yep. people are looking for content on there. So similar to you though, I think video, uh, doing videos is just telling a story, right? And it's trying to, it's forcing yourself to edit down to, you know, short form. I mean, you do long form podcasts and I love long form podcasts. I, I do them as well. And I think there's a, a place for them in, in the content space, but also it's taking that and finding your clips and making it in short form. So during the pandemic, you know, is, is I'm self-taught on how to do videos, right? On, yeah. And I think that in, it's similar to what you talked about earlier that uh, when we were off air is that you're self-taught on this stuff. And I think when you love something, right? And we love fantasy football yep. and, we, yep. and we love video work and we love telling stories, you merge all that together and you find out a way to, to make it engaging. And I think just spending a lot of time on these social media platforms on YouTube and consuming tons of content on TikTok, on Reels, 
is basically how you figure out what works and what doesn't work. And then obviously, you know, you're going to have a lot of flops and you're going to have uh, some hits. And what happens though is you get that little hit of something yeah. that goes viral. And I don't like to get caught up in the vanity metrics. We all love views. We all like likes. We all like comments. But at the end of the day, I still maintain, I'd rather have a thousand followers that love everything and follow and engage in everything I do than 50,000 people that just scroll past when they see it. So uh, I think what you're doing is very similar, and that's why we connect on this, is that you want something to be aesthetically pleasing along with the good content. Because as we're getting away from people reading magazines and websites, some people still love that kind of stuff. I just think that there's a place for video and just trying to make it new, fun, exciting, and educational as well. Dude, you're, well, you're doing it, man. I mean, you're doing the Lord's work. And the thing is, we know the data shows that streaming is is becoming sort of everywhere. It's becoming the platform that most people are going to. Cable broadcast is disappearing. We're watching HBO and all these other channels start to create these little singular options because maybe that's all you want. So you're able to find these little nook and cranny locations. So content creators have more power than ever before. And, you know, that kind of blew my mind back a couple of years ago when somebody talked to me about YouTube and they called it a search engine. And that screwed me up forever because it is. <laughs> it's it's one of the world's, if not the biggest search engine in the world behind Google. And so it's just, it's it's shocking to me that we always think of it as just video format. Oh, this is where I go watch videos. But you're always searching. You're always typing into a bar. You're looking for something. And when you use that sort of mentality for content creation, like you said, sometimes you get those little hits, those little viral hits. And I know from creating content, wanting to be innovative and wanting to test yourself. I know you talk about not getting caught up in the vanity. I don't care about likes and comments, like and comment well, we after do. this video, but we, we I, do care. We, we, do. we do, but I don't care about it as much as I care about where are the analytics coming from and how can I help adjust those dials, right? Like that's what we want to do. I think that the first thing to remember is you have to reverse engineer this thing, right? So Think about how you use a specific platform. If you are, if you want to go um, fix a sink, right? You you type into nowadays. You type into YouTube. How do I fix a sink? And you watch a video on it. Yeah. You don't read uh, a website that says how to fix a sink. You actually watch the guy taking off the thing. And the same thing with fantasy football. What are you searching for? There's ways to find out what people are searching for, and that's why we, you know, we're we're in this SEO search engine optimization world where top ten rankings must wrap that. It's not because we think that like you know that that's kind of like vanilla titling, but it works. Right. It gets people to see what you're doing, and what you said before uh, again about. Uh, it's not just an educational platform. Sorry, it's not just an entertainment platform. It's so key. People are using video now for search and for education. And you talked about it a second ago with Amazon, the streaming thing, it worked, right? Yeah. 13 yeah. million people tuned in for that first Thursday night football game. That's good. Yep. The estimates were about eight to nine million were going to tune in. The advertisers were sold about 12 million. So this over delivered. And people are spending also more time watching streaming. You can't think, for example, when you watch a standalone football game, you'll flip off. It's, it's, you can't even watch a standalone football game anymore because there's so many commercials. So when you're stuck watching a streaming video, you're less likely to stream out of the app. And the same thing with video content. When you're watching a video, as long as it's the right length and the right, you know, how you're doing it nice and tight with yep. almost, what was it called? Uh, what was the show on E with Joe McHale? Oh, that you, I can't believe you're bringing talk, this up right now. Talk soup. 
Yeah, I mean, you're doing a very talk soup like show, which to me uh, is, I think is the, they were early to this. And I like that you're recreating that for, did I say something to offend you? What the, hold on, we're we're doing it. Wait a minute. (laughs) I don't have another sounder ready for this. You just, what you just did just literally blew my fucking mind. This is okay. Oh, I I've hope only I didn't offend you. No, you didn't. I've only talked okay. to one other person about this. When I first made this show, I swear to God, I said, Talk Soup is the influence for this show. Talk Soup and Joel McHale are the reason that I wanted to design the show the way I did. And I had plans to continue furthering my idea. But literally, Talk Soup was the basis of where this show was derived from. So the fact that you said it is like, I feel like my room might be bugged because that is the most mission obscure. Mission complete. You, you did, did it. Wow. That's amazing. Anybody in the chat, if you've seen Talk Soup, it's been off the air forever. Um, but Joel McHale was the, or maybe it's, is anybody else doing it nowadays? It was only Joel McHale back in the day. They, right. They tried to recreate. It just died after that. The whole E-network yeah. sort of died after yeah. the Talk Soup thing. I mean, I guess the Kardashians are on a loop on there. Not that I watch that. But you, know, uh, yeah, good. I mean, that's what YouTube is for. Go check out Talk Soup. It'll look like a 1992 version of what Nate is doing in 2022. Yes. God damn. I can't believe you did that. Before we get into this, uh, big shout outs. Thank you, Joel. Super chat donation. Let's go. Uh, of course, uh, let me hit this thank you button. Thank you. There it is, Joel, man. I appreciate you. Love seeing him show out uh, in the chat every time. Um, all right. Listen, Alan, I, I, again, I think content creation, I, you know, I don't know how much the audience can really roll with, with this subject matter if they're not a creator, but man, there's just so much. And I know that what you're doing um, has a ton of headroom left in it. I, I've seen, and we should talk sometime. I've seen kind of what yeah. you're doing already. And you did a, this is, here's the thing. The content creator and me saw this. You recorded it from two angles or something on a video, right? You had a front facing yeah, cam yeah, and a yeah. side. Yeah. That right then, there. I was like, that's an innovator right there. That right. was okay. That, that <laughs> I swear to God, it's just the little nugget. And I was like, this guy gets it because it's three dimensional the way that we're, you know, sonically visually. And you know, the way that I try to use sound effects and different things, but you yeah. did this thing where people are so used to front-facing camera, front-facing camera, front face, boom, side-facing, and they're like, where am I? Right. What is this? This is it's amazing. And you got it exactly right. And then also the use of color and black and white is something I try to do as well. So you can go yes. sideways color, front-facing yes. black and white, and just mix it up. It's, it's yeah. There's a, those are yeah. uh, those are called, like those jump cuts. We could do a whole podcast another time if you want or just have a discussion about because I could talk about this stuff for three hours Three, not three hours and 30 minutes, but three hours. Yeah, we we, we should do one <laughs> one of these days. You've got mail. There it is, Alan. Mm-hmm. That's how the episodes always start. And I truly hope that this email is not to me. I actually, I hope it's not to you because it's been pretty abrasive to guests in the past. Let's see what it says. That's fine. I don't mind. To the I'm Outraged pod. Boy, this is embarrassing. Oh. Nate, I love Alan, but sloppy seconds. I thought you were better than this. Signed, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand what that means. That you don't mean? get it. I don't get it. What is that? Oh, is so it? this is a real email. This is not you goofing on no, uh, I the whole know. situation. This is an email. We get emails on the show. I have, I don't know what this is. Could this, you really need me to explain this to you or are you doing a bit right now? I'm not doing a bit. I don't know what this email is. Okay. May, he may or may not be referring to other shows that, uh, that I've uh, uh, possibly or may not have appeared on recently. When? What show did you do that's not this show? I agree. I agree. And 
<laughs> Were you, I don't know. I mean, I don't understand. What does sloppy seconds mean? Did you do a show that? Did you do a show with somebody that I used to do a show with? I don't understand. Uh, it's it's it could have it, it may or may not have happened. Did you? Okay, wait a minute. Did you do a show with Matt or something recently? I uh, I did. I did. When did I you did. do a show? Was it? it t- tell me it wasn't like yesterday. It can't be like it wasn't yesterday. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it may have been, it may have been. Yeah. Are you kidding me? And Alan, we don't even talk about this. I come on this show and I try to bring on a guest, a fresh <laughs> guest that nobody's heard. And you're literally podcasting with the guy that I this podcast. Is- now it makes sense. Well, you know what? It's also that, uh, remember that there's a, my pin Twitter, which has the most talk about views has the most views of any video I've ever cut is of you and a former co-host of yours. Yes. That's it. You know, so. I figured if I'm going to, you know, go one, like the, when you go on Jimmy Kimmel and then you go on the, you know, the, the Leno show, whatever the hell that, you know, is, so. Yes. And by the way, uh, this man right here, the emailer has some insider trading information. Blitzing Buzzard was the individual. Uh, John was the individual that I talked to about talk soup. He, him and I text back and forth. Mm. Uh, this is, this is wild. All right. So listen, Alan, I want to jump into this right now. Let's, let's start right at the top. Um, you and I have a show sheet together. We're going to talk about a bunch of players, what to do with them in Dynasty. Some of these guys have been oppressive. Some of them, maybe not so much. And I have found that one of the best ways to truly help illustrate for an audience and a listening group how you really feel about a player is to compare them to another player. It's great to just talk about a player individually, but it leaves very little reference. To There's too much ambiguity. I can say, oh, he's great, but without really comparing him to somebody... It becomes difficult. So I've got a bunch of names on here. I want to go through a couple of these right now. Let's start right at the top with Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook. So my question to you is both of these players are nearly 27 years old. Who's the player that you would rather have on your roster entering 2023, though? So I saw your video on Nick Chubb. So anything positive I say about Nick Chubb, you're, you're probably your neck hair is going to pop up. And you're going to. You know. Yeah, but he, here's what it what you do here. Okay, I, I think everything when you talk about older players, especially running backs, you really have to take a look at their contract. I think contract insulation yep. is really the key because we we always talk about dynasty or when I say we the dynasty community, like oh we're gonna have this guy on our roster for the next ten years. No, you're not. Dynasty is better played in two year windows. I mean, we as as analysts barely know what's going to happen in the season in front of us, how the heck are we going to predict what happens two, three, four seasons out? I mean, take a look at the ADP from four seasons ago. You know, I'm going to wreck it. Was, I'm just, is Todd Gurley in the top 10 there? So exactly. really what I'm saying is that Nick Chubb, I see, I wrote that Nick Chubb, he's going to be on the Browns roster for the 2023 and 2024. And he'll be uh, a free agent in 2025. Uh, that's age, let's say he's to be age 29. Dalvin Cook, there's an out on his contract next year. So let's just start with that piece right there, right? We These are both elite running backs. I'm not worried. I'm not going to give Nick Chubb too much more credit for producing in 2022. Right now, obviously, if we did a redraft, Nick Chubb would be a late first round pick. Dalvin Cook may not go in the third round. I mean, you know, we, we all have this recency bias. So I would say that I would rather have Nick Chubb because I'm going to be able to extract more value or ride him out no matter what my roster looks like this year. Plus, I know he's going to be the lead running back on a good offense led by Deshaun Watson for the next two seasons. Dalvin Cook, 
It's already been a little disappointing. There's not much of the season left. And though I presume he'll be there for two years, we do not know. This is Sophie's choice right here. But I'm going to say Nick Chubb based on the, the – um, not the upside, but the, uh, the contract insulation and the offense we know. I think the contract is a great point. That's something that I had noted myself. So, you know, both of these guys have potential outs in the future. Dalvin Cooks comes up sooner because he's only owed $6 million in terms of dead cap money next year. Whereas, you know, Nick Chubb is $10.8 million in dead cap in 2023. So he's a more expensive hit. And of these two players, he clearly looks like the runner that has way more juice left in him. You know, we look at Dalvin Cook over the past three seasons. We've seen a decline for starters. Yards per route run have dipped from 1.37 in 2020 to 0.53 this season. Now, you can say it because he's, you know, he's running more routes than ever. But then I would ask why he's just RB21 in total targets, right? So he's running a lot of routes. He's not being targeted that often. Um, And Minnesota is at a three-year low in targets to running back. But it's barely two and a half percent off the 2020 or the 2020 season. So it's hard for me to make a case for Dalvin Cook. I continue to see him sort of trend backwards, and we're seeing the snap shares decrease since week one. But with Nick Chubb, here's my argument. And I agree with the person in the chat that said sell both because I, I yeah, neither of these what? players for, for, for what? what? Well, I think Nick Chubb right now, you can definitely get a first out of a contender. Absolutely get a yeah. first out of a contender. He's had four consecutive. Over 100 scrimmage yard games. It's the second time in his career he's gone over four in a row. He did five in a row in 2020. The guy looks electric right now. This was my whole argument. It's like he gets no targets. He's had limited opportunity right this year. He's, what, a 54% snap share. So his snap share is not high. His targets are not high. He's running absolutely pure. The minute that he's not running pure, he's going to produce. I looked it up. If you got rid of his touchdowns this year, he's averaging 13 fantasy points a game, I think. So... The touchdowns are booing everything. And I like Nick Chubb. I think he's one of these running backs I can make an argument for, for running with, you know, health and longevity for a few years beyond 27. But man, when is a window going to open up? When he has this many consecutive monster games in a row, he's still not 27. And we're early enough in the year where contenders that maybe haven't lost their ass yet would go, look, I want to win now. I had Javante Williams. He's hurt. I don't care. I, I want, I'll want. i sell you my first you for go. 2023. I want Nick Chubb. Dalvin Cook, harder argument. I have this guidance. I don't want to call it a rule, but I have a guidance. I'm not going to really give up a first-round pick unless it's for a top 25, 30-ish player overall. Now, Nick Chubb is that this year, right? So, yes, it would have to be a very specific set of circumstances. It would have to be somebody you're, you're looking to replace. Because a contender doesn't need Nick Chubb because he's a contender, right? I mean, very few contenders need a, a running back unless they have that Javante injury. So, yes, if you're at the bottom of the league, I mean, this goes for, this is a blanket statement for all veterans. If you have no shot to win, and you're at the bottom of the league, and yes, you could turn your veterans into your 27-year-old running backs in the first-round pick, just similar to what you did with Leonard Fournette last year. But this is the other thing I I will insert into this conversation, is that a third of your league already thinks they're out of it when they're not. Right, so in your yep. typical twelve-team league, there's teams that are one and three that just had bad luck that are already selling everything that's not nailed down. I contend that even if you're like the tenth best team, just keep going. Don't sell anything yet. It's too early. There is a point where you're going to do what Nate said and sell these guys off. But wait till week ten. 
because you could what I call DFS your way into the playoffs. Just look who the DFS guys like each week that are cheap wide receivers. Put those guys in your lineup. Figure out a way to get into the playoffs, and then anything can happen. So don't sell anyone yet unless it's a total disaster. Here, here's my one my one debate point on that. The problem is when these players, and you've probably talked about this before, when these players turn 27, again, this is an age apex argument. At the running back position between age 23 and 26, most elite running backs have hit their peak season. After 26, they never rematch that peak season ever again. And that goes for 84.5% of the elite running backs in the league. So when I look at a guy like Nick Chubb, again, take away the touchdowns, 13.5 fantasy points, 55.8% snap share, you know, 6.5% target share, number 42 in the league. It, I don't want I don't want to hold that because again, mm-hmm. if if uh, an injury, one injury to Nick Chubb of significance, then what? One, you know, one injury to, and these guys are just starting to trend down the line. So for me, they're both a sell. I think that Dalvin Cook is the more dynamic player of the two, very clearly. But again, we're seeing Minnesota start to sort of pull back some of that opportunity from him where Nick Chubb is flashing significantly at this point. Um, but I, I just don't I, see I don't go ahead. I, I don't I just can't I, hold I want to I want to Yeah, I want to tag and there's there's two different styles of dynasty player. And what you're saying is very sober sound advice. What I'm saying is that you're it's going to be tough to get anything. Okay, for example, Javante Williams, right? He's out for the year. Yes. His value is already tanked. So any running back can get hurt and lose value. I just I always worried about selling a little too soon when I have uh, an asset like that. For example, if someone offered you Rashad White for Nick Chubb, are you doing that deal? You're the Nick Chubb guy. And you're sitting right, no. right. You're not doing it, no. right? So what are you really expecting to get? Well, it's not a one for one. I get, there's no way I could do Rashad White for Nick Chubb. Now, if if the conversation was, you know, Rashad White and a high second, if the conversation was Rashad, because I know that it's here's the thing, it's playing with fire, right? Like we can play the game where we hold on to Nick Chubb and we assume that the Nick Chubb that we've seen for years, this robot running back, is going to continue into 2023. But nobody would, I guess we might be shocked, but nobody would really be shocked if next year he just had lost a step and doesn't look like he did this year as we enter that age 27 season because that does happen to running backs. Now, will it happen to Nick Chubb? Probably not, but we could talk about guys like Fournette. We could talk about guys like Mixon. There's other running backs that are in this same sort of conversational stratosphere that may be more on the decline. Again, I think Dalvin Cook's a great example of possibly this where perception and dynasty is sometimes maybe to your point is a little more powerful of a drug than the reality. And people Mm -hmm. will lean into bad Jamar chase. People will lean into bad games and suddenly they're theorizing like, how did this happen? I got to get this guy off my roster or is he not good? Is it all hyper? You know? So with these two guys in particular, I'm with you on Chubb. I'd rather have Chubb on my roster next year. Um, but I think that Dalvin Cook is one of these guys that we're starting to see the decline on. Um, just saying it out loud. And he's a guy that I'd be looking to sell as well. And I've got some rosters right now in Dynasty that's, that suck, man. I'm like one and three. And I'm not ready to give up. But when you get too close to the trade deadline, people get pretty cautionary about what they want to do with assets. All fair points again. But I just think that you if... Nick Chubb doesn't have to be this all-time world beater for the for the, the next two years after this for him to be part of your a winning fantasy team. I think that's where sometimes we get caught up is saying that if the player is no longer his peak self, he's worthless. I mean, the extreme example would be Derrick Henry. You know, uh, 
smart dynasty uh, players were saying, sell Derrick Henry. And then obviously he had two, three. I mean, even this season is great, right? Last season, he was the biggest sell. He was the biggest fade in redraft this year. And he's producing again. I just... Uh, and, what you're, I just want to repeat this again, that what you're saying is sound logic, but I think that I have readjusted my expectations holding players like this sometime as an alternative strategy. Yeah. By the way, if someone's going to give you a first plus Rashad White, you're going to probably take that if you're one in three. Sure. But if you want to hold on to these guys, and Nick Chubb, you're used to getting 18 fantasy points from him, and then he becomes like an 11 and a half, 12 fantasy point, I think there's a place in that as you rebuild your roster. I'm not saying you should do that. I just think that don't sell cheap. Yeah. And again, guys like Melvin Gordon are a perfect example of how that thing can come pretty quick. And then suddenly you go from being a guy like Nick Chubb, who has first round draft capital potential still amidst a trade to a guy like Melvin Gordon, where, okay, if Javante doesn't get hurt, I mean, I was reading tweets today from guys that are related to beat writers that were saying that Denver was, you know, there was conversations about possibly cutting Melvin Gordon or just other things. And so it's, it's wild how fast stuff can happen. Don't know if that's true, but okay, I agree with you, Nick Chubb. All right, here's the next one. Let's see, let's see where we are on this one. Dun da da. Clyde Edwards Alaire or Josh Jacobs. Um, two players that are it's a really interesting conversation. Some people would call it a battle for mediocrity. Which of these two <laughs> players do you prefer? So which one of these guys would I prefer to have in dynasty fantasy yes. football? Yes. So let's just Let's talk about each one in the 10,000-foot view for a second, okay? Once again, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the good is that he's the lead running back on an offense we like for at least the next couple of years. That is good. That's why we drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire 101 in our rookie drafts, because of that profile. It's not because we thought that he was great. I mean, everyone – I don't know anyone that pre-drafted had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as their 1.1, you know? I mean, uh, in the sorry, as their first running back. Josh Jacobs – has had a resurgence uh, with his big week this week, and he is a unrestricted free agent next year. So it is. There's a, a lot of ambiguity where he could end up. He could end up being the uh, the backfield mate of Javante Williams in Denver next year, right? I mean, easily right. could see that. So there's uncertainty around Josh Jacobs, but he's still young enough. I personally would rather have Clyde Edwards-Helaire because once again, it's not that I think he's great. It's that I think that he is the lead running back in a Patrick Mahomes offense. And more often than not, if you follow these profiles, you will make money in fantasy football. Josh Jacobs can end up in a horrible situation next year or a good one. Yeah. But there is, if you want to roll the dice on that, that's fine. I like the certainty. I like Clyde Edwards Alaire's situation. Yeah. I look, obviously, I love Clyde Edwards Alaire. I mean, <laughs> I, I have to. I'm I'm paid to love Clyde Edwards Alaire. Now, between these two guys, we've seen Josh Jacobs running, you know, much better than I think people had expected. I think coming into this year, people thought that he was dead in the water. This is a running back that I had said in some videos early on. I thought he was going to have another top 10 season. I truly believed it, um, mm. despite the fact that the Raiders did not pick up that fifth-year option. But this is a guy that's been top 12 three of his four seasons in the league in juke rate. Um, top nine or better in evaded tackles every year that he's been in the league. So for lacking the dynamism, for lacking the athleticism, not so contrary to the other guy on the screen over here, Clyde Edwards, Josh Jacobs has been decent. But to your point, Clyde Edwards is not a free agent until the end of 2023. What we've seen from him on the field this year cannot be ignored. Now, I understand. Listen, I get it. It's coming on 
not a supreme level of usage. It's coming on an incredibly efficient production level from him. What he's top six in breakaway runs, top four in yards per route run, two overall in touchdowns. And most importantly, he's outscoring Jonathan Taylor by 25 points on the season, which is great news for me. Um, but <laughs> I cross. Yeah, Jack exactly. Cross. But I'm, but I'm, but I'm with you, right? Because he's got the time left on his contract. Um, despite the fact that I think there's other players in this backfield, like Pacheco that have actually looked good. Andy Reed and this offense have shown that they believe in Clyde Edwards and that he's going to continue to get opportunities in big spots. And even after that, I don't know if you watched the last game, it was so funny. It was so perfect. People were just killing me on Twitter. Uh, my Comcast cable is delayed by like eight seconds, apparently, from the rest of the universe. So I believe it was McKinnon on third down who who got stuffed at the line for one yard, and they ran like a wheel route to Clyde on the next route. But before it happened, oh. I said Clyde would have converted that. It would have converted that. And the ball fucking clangs off his hands. And there was like 50 comments instantly. They're like, oh, you don't know? I'm like, oh, shit. And then it catches up. And I realize this happens, but they keep going back to him. And there's the touchdowns and the target share. And all these things are in his favor in addition to Patrick Mahomes and time on his contract. Let's let's say a few nice things about Josh Jacobs, too. Because he is... He's an underappreciated asset in fantasy football, right? I mean, the last couple of years, it, it, he finishes, what, the RB9 and the RB13-ish? I mean, RB13 doesn't win you fantasy football championships. That's not a that you know, but it's something that you could use in fantasy, right? I mean, it, the wide receiver five, or uh, sorry, the, the, the wide receiver 15 is more valuable than the running back 15, usually, right? I mean, it's sure. taking a 10,000-foot view. Sure. But Josh Jacobs... He's a first-round draft pedigree uh, running back. There's nothing more insulated than that. Jo um, Josh McDaniels has said recently that Josh Jacobs is one of the best running backs he's ever been around. I mean, things are trending in a good way. Then again, he hasn't been around too many good running backs, right? Uh, but it, it's, it's trending in a good way for Josh Jacobs, and it could end up in a really good spot for him. But I just, And not to circle back on this, I mean, listen, you got it right on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That's what's so great about Dynasty. You're right, and then you're wrong, and then you're right again. Sometimes all in the same season, Nate Liss. I think some people would not. I'm going to go ahead and clip it where you said that I was right on Clyde Edwards because that makes me feel good. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot to like about Josh Jacobs this year. And again, this was part of the narrative in the offseason. You can't rule out that he doesn't re-sign with the Raiders. I mean, it's still possible that he comes back yeah. to play for the Raiders if he plays like this. I don't know why they wouldn't. I mean, if they can get him on some sort of cheap deal, let him test free agency, I'm sure he's going to get opportunity somewhere. But I think you're right. What if he ends up in a backfield where some of that target share, which has helped him out over time here, gets sort of driven away by another talented player in an offense? Um, we just don't know where he ends up. And that's the scary part about free agency. But he's been so much better than he's given credit for. And again, anybody, I would implore you to go to playerprofiler.com. Fantastic website. And just look at, at his production this year. Also, number 11 in the NFL and average defenders in the box, which is crazy because typically I would reserve that for guys that are in backfields with quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson where there's always a spy or an extra defender. They're just literally loading the box on him. And so they're, you know, they're trying to stop this guy that can break a lot of tackles and evade a lot of tackles. And he's been really good throughout his career. And I know you said that the RB13 overall doesn't win you fantasy leagues. But man, over the last, over his career, 
He's never averaged He's less than 14.7 fantasy points per game, and over the last three years, never less than 15. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, and that's and I think um, when I said that, I mean that that's okay. Like you need guys like this in your lineup. We all play in these deep dynasty leagues. We don't play in two receiver, one flex or no flex. We play in leagues that have three receivers, two flex, a super flex, a tight end with premium. You need guys like this, right? I mean, so that's you don't. Every pick doesn't need to win you the league. And by the way, the teams that I identified that would probably be in pursuit of Josh Jacobs, like you said, the Raiders, I think would be first and foremost, Miami next year, the Titans are going to be looking mm. for someone. The Chargers still need somebody to help out Austin Eckler <sighs> and the Giants may need someone if Saquon Barkley leaves town. So anywhere, but uh, the those Chargers. are te- anywhere, yeah. but the, I mean, cha- the <sighs> you could see it though, right? I know you're 100% right. He's exactly the type of running back that they want because he can be left on the field on third downs if you need, but Austin Eckler is clearly going to continue to be, you know, that passing down weapon. Oh, that's, that's, that's a great call. Um, we, I cross my fingers for the Raiders. I just want that usage to continue to stay up again. I mean, he hasn't had less than 217 carries in a season yet. So he's a workhorse. He's a horse. Absolute workhorse. So between these two guys, we both agree it's Clyde Edwards. However, if Josh Jacobs got a three-year extension with the Raiders next year at the start of the year, where are you at then? I think that that goes back to what we said at the top of the show, that contract insulation when all else is equal is really the is a very powerful force for how I play Dynasty. I want some consistency yeah. in a game that has so much volatility. I love it, man. Anybody but Kenny Galladay and his contract. All right, let's go this next oh, one terrible. here. Yeah, terrible contract. <laughs> Good job, New York. All right. Boom. J.K. Dobbins. And Antonio Gibson, um, I feel like we're going to be pouring one out for Antonio Gibson sooner than later, but I want to ask you in, in such terms, would you sleep better at night owning Dobbins or owning Gibson? Man, are these two players headed in the opposite direction for fantasy value, for dynasty value right now or what, right? Yeah. One is overachieved, Gibson. One is underachieved so far, J.K. Dobbins. And if you trust the prospect profile, all this should normalize pretty soon. Uh, if you, you know, Dobbins, he got off to a tough start, but he was a uh, a touchdown scorer. Do you remember that last stretch of six games, his rookie year? Yes. I mean, he just went ham. I think he had seven touchdowns. And then obviously the injury just totally derailed him. Dynasty players, sharp ones do take on some, some extra risks with uh, long-term injury, but Dobbins is back. He had that big explosive game. And now that we know that Gibson is going to be getting a backfield mate, right? Brian Robinson is on the way. And he hasn't really done anything, Gibson, to put a stranglehold on the job. I've gotten maybe four or five of my 30 leagues. I'm embarrassed I'm in 30 leagues, Nate Liss. Uh, I've gotten offers today for for Gibson, and people are wanting a first-round pick. I mean, it's not even like a conversation starter. Gibson uh, Gibson is Krypton Knight right now in Dynasty. And Dobbins is fetching you. So right now is the time if you want out of Dobbins, which I don't think you do. But these guys are heading in the opposite direction, so it's a very easy call for me on this one. I'm gonna go Dobbins. Oh, here it's this way. The on the thing. Yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta learn your directions on this show, or it will screw you up. See, I don't. I still don't know. You're. uh, See. Oh, nope. This way. You're that. I still. After how many episodes, I still don't get it. You go. That's right. Oh, there yeah. Let's see if we can do this. There you oh, go. Shit. Hold on. No, the other way. Shit. There you no, go. The other way. way. There you oh, go. Oh, wait, let me turn my hand. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Go. 
Oh, wait, shit. All right, wait, here you go. All right, here we go. Didn't work. Didn't work. Thanks for a terrible podcast. Um, yeah. I, I'm with you. Um, J.K. Dobbins, is for me right now, is the player that I'm favoriting a lot more in this scenario. I think Antonio Gibson, part of the problem, too, is Gibson had his shot. I mean, we came into the year with a concern that Brian Robinson might take some of this job. And then suddenly Brian Robinson had a, you know, obviously tragic scenario play out, which bought Antonio Gibson, for lack of better terms, more life. And he really hadn't done much with it. And since then, we've seen a snap share go 62.9%, 55.4%, 45.3%, 33.8% in this precipitous fall off. And then you see what happened in week four. He might have been the third best back on the field. And this is all leading up to the week when Brian Robinson comes back. And it just spells trouble overall. Right now, Gibson on keep trade cut. Now, I know people don't like keep trade cut. But hear me out. Keep trade cut is the marketplace for perception. (laughs) I like keep trade cut because keep trade cut helps me feel out how people feel about a player. It's not necessarily what kind of trades you can pull off, but you can tell who people are high and low on at any given time. You know what it is, Nate? It's, it's like going out and taking like a poll during an election cycle. It's just it's just a temperature. It's a litmus test of what the public is thinking. I, I agree with you. It's not, You're not going to make a decision based on the output of Keep Trade Cut, but it's just another data point as you're gathering everything, as you're trying to value these players. And, and by the way, and I, I, I want to continue hearing what you're saying, but I know some people in the chat were upset that I said Dobbins was underachieving based on his injury. Mm, hold that's, on. That's all. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. There you go. Yeah, no, that's, all, that's all I, yeah. And that's all I mean is that based on what you drafted him for, that what your expectations were, yes, an injury. Like right now, Javante Williams, he's, he's basically disappointed for fantasy. And now he's going to be knocked out for 18 months, right? I mean, until we get him back even close to anything. So that's all I mean. I know I, durability, whether it's their fault or not, it's part of their fantasy life cycle, right? So he is underachieved based on our fantasy expectations. I understand what you're saying. It's not his fault, but that's why, you know, th- that's just how it is. So back to you, Nate, on that. I just how wanted to clarify because the, because he made a good point. Dare you disparage these running backs on this show. This is a family-friendly show, Alan. We don't do that on this show. And I'm glad the chat called you out. Uh, let's get Joel up on the screen. Alan tied with Cody Carpentier for the best guest so far. Killing it, fellas. Joel, appreciate it once again. Big thank you to my man, Joel. Thank you! We'll drive another one out there for the people. Alan, what I was trying to say uh, before you had to pull out your sword and defend yourself momentarily was that on Keep Trade Cut, a place that I go for you know perception of the market, Gibson is currently sitting neck and neck with Elijah Mitchell and James Conner. So when you're thinking about where he's sort of fallen to, we think about these players that are injured. We think about players that have backfield you know, uh, difficulties and competition like Elijah Mitchell and underwhelming possibly like James Conner. And when you filter down to that point, People have lost a lot of value, and he's the RB19 on the season overall. But you look at Dobbins. In, in Dobbins' second game on the year, four missed tackles forced on just 13 carries. The cherry on top, four targets, which nobody expected whatsoever. I had a tweet. I had a tweet thread before threads were cool. Okay, before threads were cool, I had a thread. And it was yeah. about Lamar Jackson and his history of targeting the running back position. And... To like last season, like week two, he had only targeted a running back more than four times, like once in his career. So again, we hit the brick wall for some reason. Lamar might be like 
Maybe he's afraid of the number five. I have no idea. He won't do it, though. He never he never does it. It's shocking. But we look at this, and that target share over the course of 17 games would get him around roughly 68 targets, which I think for people is an unexpected number because we look at Dobbins and the way we kind of look at Chubb. Like, they can be a, a volume runner. Dobbins was a monster volume runner in college, tackle breaker, but not really a pass catcher. And then he just happens to go to an offense where once again, they don't really utilize the running backs as a pass catcher. But one more thing of note that I really love to see, he has, I believe, 20 carries on the year. Is that a fact? He has 20 carries on the year. He has eight red zone touches. Najee Harris has 58 carries on the year with just nine red zone touches. So the usage is there. Yeah, I mean, something you said that I think is very interesting, other than doing Twitter threads before they were cool. I mean, how annoying are those Twitter threads, right? I mean, those things make me want to vomit some of yes. them. All right? Yes. And I listen, I know it's, they're, they're not entertaining, right? They're getting engagement. I, I can't not be me and do Twitter threads. Now, that said, if I ever do one, don't I, I reserve the right to to try it out, okay? But that said, you you were talking about how Lamar in the past has traditionally wasn't someone a, a a quarterback that dumped off to the running back. I think sometimes dynasty players uh, and redraft players we get caught up in this is what this guy does. This quarterback never throws to the tight end. Sometimes as a quarterback's career evolves and their personnel changes, that they evolve and adapt to it, especially the greats like Lamar Jackson. I believe he's going to end up being one of the greatest quarterbacks of the last half decade when it's all said and done or the last six years. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. we can all, I'm not saying he's an all-timer, but he's uh, great. so now he has this uh, a, a Pass catching running back. I mean, he wasn't, you know, an elite pass catching running back, but he's a capable pass catching running back. And he's getting to the point of his career where he has to make some business decisions where he doesn't want to tuck in and run it every single time. That doesn't mean that he's going to be one or the other. He could be a hybrid of both. So, and just like last year with Jalen Hurts, they said, well, he's a bad thrower of the football. But this year, he got better. He's a good throw of the football. So, yes, I, I don't even think this is a fair matchup, Dobbins versus uh, Gibson. This is basically a knockout. I would have thought that Gibson, you would say to me at this point, uh, I could uh, kind of see where the puck is going. Khalil Herbert or Antonio Gibson? I think that's a real dynasty question. J.K. Dobbins belongs as a top 12 dynasty running back. Gibson's not even in that stratosphere right now. I love it. And and to your point about Lamar Jackson and the evolution of pass catching, I love that you say you can see where the hockey puck goes. Do you watch hockey? Um playoff hockey. I have to I I'm a nineteen eighties hockey freak, but yeah. now, you know, nowadays I the bandwidth wise. I was a nineties hockey fan and I learned all my hockey while watching and also playing video games. And I can name so many players from the nineties. I can't name a single player in the current year that we play in. Yeah, uh, NHL 94 is one of the greatest video games of all time. <laughs> oh, my God. Ellen, we really yeah. should do another spinoff podcast uh, talking about content pop creation. Culture. Yeah, pop culture. The pop culture. Yeah, yeah. two I'm Jews and pop culture. Let's do it, man. I go. think it's great. That's the, What a title. What a yeah. working title right there. Let's just keep workshopping it. I'm not settled. So the Lamar Jackson <laughs> thing, though, you know, you look at you look at Baltimore, <laughs> you look at Baltimore <laughs> as a whole. And on the year, they're averaging 14.2% uh, target share to the running back position, which is bottom six in the league. But you look at last week in particular, they were top three amongst the NFL with nine targets to the running back position, 32.1%. It's not a trend just yet, but it's the direction that we would like to see Baltimore going because for Dobbins, a guy that, like you said, should be a top 12 guy, a guy that's constantly been revered as this player that's probably not a pass catcher in the same light that, I thought A.J. Dillon wasn't a pass catcher. Um, 
he might be starting to, you know, show a side of his skill set that nobody expected, which will make him more valuable in the future. So he might be a kind of a buy low option now. Okay. In yeah, I was going to say I'm just looking back his college receptions, uh, Dobbins, right? So he yeah. was he had 23, 26, and 22. I use as my benchmark any college running back in a traditional season that has 20 or more receptions. I think that that makes him a viable pass catcher in the NFL. I know it's an anecdotal number, yeah. but I think that that is a is a decent benchmark to use. I think where the big problem came in with Dobbins, I think, is the way that people were looking at the types of passes that he was receiving. I think that they were looking mm. at, and I would have to go back and look at the numbers. Yeah. This is years removed now that he wasn't necessarily lining up outside as a receiver. He was more of a guy catching swing passes out of the backfield. It was more simple dump-offs, but that shouldn't be held against him. I, I truly have never held that against Dobbins, but it becomes a characteristic because he gets known for the tackle breaking and he doesn't get the credit for the receiving. And the other last thing before we move on to this next matchup, by the way, this looks very Mortal Kombat on the bottom, or Street Fighter, I should say, Thank on the bottom. You. I Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I like it. Yep. DJ Moore wins, you know? There it but is. It's, <laughs> but it's... Um, it, it, oh, sometimes they catch less passes in college because they don't have to. Like, when you talk about Kenny Walker, Kenneth Walker, I mean, he almost yes. caught no passes, but it's because he's, it's better to hand him the football and let him run. Yes. I'm sure he could catch passes to be determined, to be continued. We'll find out in the NFL. Alan, I swear to God, you must have a bug in here. That That is my comp for J.K. Dobbins, or do, you know, my comp for Kenneth Walker was J.K. Dobbins. There's yeah. so many similarities between those two guys. It's just it's mind-melting. We got same well, haircut. I, I watch your stuff. I watch your content. Nate, I sh- so. I Nobody think- watches more content than me. I see everything. So, Dude, you're the content consumption colossus that's who you that's are. right i'm Gotta obese get... with content <laughs> that's right overflowing <laughs> can't take another bite all right yeah. i can't take another bite of either of these guys um dj moore <sighs> or terry mclaurin <sighs> um who's gonna end up more forgettable by the end of 2022 it's gotta be dj moore right Oh, you know, by the end of 22, yes, but you have to think that that uh, the quarterback situation is going to get fixed. These are two good wide receivers that have poor quarterback play, one more poor than the other, right? Yep, yep. Carson Wentz will most likely be there. DJ Moore, uh, sorry, uh, Terry McLaurin gets paid, stock up. Curtis Samuel is a real player, stock yes. down. Yes. So yep. what do you do? But, you know, DJ, i sorry, uh, Terry McLaurin has been overvalued in Dynasty for a while. Listen to his finishes, Nate, over the last few years. I don't want to. It's going back to 2019. Wide receiver 25, wide receiver 22, wide receiver 25. Yet he gets drafted as a top 10, top 12 type of wide receiver. That's classic overvalue for fantasy football. No, I, I haven't met anyone that said Terry McLaurin's a bad receiver. We know he's a good receiver. Whatever the situation is, whoever's fault it is, he's never been more than a low-end wide receiver, too. DJ Moore, at least we've seen some some powerful finishes from him. He was wide receiver 12 in, 19, in 2019. You know, a low-end wide receiver 2 in 20, and then back up into wide receiver 16-ish range. Uh, it's like if, if one of these guys got even a quarterback that was the 14th best quarterback in the NFL, which one of them would you actually want? I think the answer is DJ Moore. I thought, yeah, you went the right way. Good job. I've said this before (laughs) on a podcast. I'll say it again. I think all things being equal, if you gave the best quarterback in the league or some create a player default quarterback 
to every receiver in the league, I think DJ Moore would be the third best receiver in the whole NFL. I truly believe that he's that good. Now, that's why the question is a bit of a tripwire because it's 2022 because I remember when we all said, how sad is it that Baker Mayfield is going to end up being the best quarterback that DJ Moore has ever played with? And then all of a sudden, oops, not the best quarterback. It just happened to be literally anybody else. Um, but you look at you look at DJ Moore this year facing a career-low average depth of target. Um, but what hurts the most is that it's on his second highest target share of his career right now. So it's not like the utilization isn't there, but the moral of the story is that his quarterback play just fucking stinks, Alan. I mean, his catchable target rate is number 51, which is the wide receiver 90. I'm not even sure if player pro, pro, you know profiler goes above a fucking 90. It might actually stop there. That might be the threshold number. He's on pace. He's on pace. He's on pace pace for 586 receiving yards this season but he's one and a half years younger than terry mclaurin yeah but we're in the with the wide with the age split that they are what it's 26 and 24 and a half or something like that right? 25 about, and a half and 27 okay so you're not overly worried about it yet. I mean, it does make a difference, right? Because when that calendar uh, on sleeper, whatever software you play on, turns to 28 for Terry McLaurin, there his value drops with dynasty players. So that's why, by the way, I like to do startups in February because because uh, they don't turn sleeper doesn't turn the the page on age until like March. So if you can get into a couple of those dynasty leagues, you will get some age advantages if you know the actual birthdays. That aside, yeah, DJ Moore is the going to be the more disappointing player, which again I hate saying buy low, but yeah. you know I mean he actually is a buy low. Um, I mean, in, in yeah, dynasty. I think it's an e- in Dynasty, in yeah, redraft, in, you're... Yeah, at least there's hope for Terry McLaurin in redraft. At least there's hope. Uh, DJ Moore, it's like you're never going to be able to start him because right now you have to bench him. And then when yeah. he has that game, seven catches for 119 and a touchdown, it's going to be on your bench, which is fine. You're going to put him back in your lineup, and it's going to be a three for 38 again, and then you're going to bench him again, and then you're in perpetual hell with DJ Moore. God, I love hell. Here's the problem. When I look at Terry McLaurin, McLaurin this year is what number four overall, I believe in air yards. Um, This is the shocker. I tweeted this the other day as I was like researching stuff for the show. So sorry, number six overall in air yards, number 29 in targets, number six in a dot every game that he's played this year. I believe he's at over a hundred air yards. Uh, No, I'm sorry. Last game. Nope. Nope. First and second. He didn't. I, what am I even looking at? I'm just quoting shit from the future and the past. I'm all over the place. All, but Terry all McLaurin, air yards are not created equal yeah, either, are they? No, no, no. But what it is is Terry McLaurin averaged 97.4 air yards per game last year. He's averaging 105 air yards per game this year. He's got 10 deep targets in four games, which is two-thirds of the way to his total deep targets last season. So in terms of what guy I'm betting on this year, well, McLaurin's getting used in the way that we would expect a guy who has a big year to be used, but we can roll the calendar back a full fucking year, Alan. And he had 1,656 air yards last year and finished as the wide receiver 29. So like you said, are we just chasing a ghost right now? Or because where does he truly differ from DJ Moore outside of floor? Because I feel like with, with Terry McLaurin, you're still chasing that big game. And if you can't afford his floor, if you don't want to eat 11 points on a week or 12 points, chasing that 27-point game that may never come, what do you do? 
both of these players were overdrafted. Obviously, I'm not telling you anything that you didn't know at this point. But like, if, if you do like the underdog resurrection, right? You, where will these guys go? Where will these guys get drafted? Probably what the seventh round, Nate lists, right? Sure. These guys, you would, wouldn't even touch them in the first five rounds. But Terry McLaurin, he's going to have the stick for target competition. At least the target tree is a little bit more narrow with DJ Moore. I mean, that's the case for DJ Moore. And Baker Mayfield is probably going to start feeling the pressure if he hasn't already. And what should you do? I just think you want to just go up to them and say, feed Christian McCaffrey a few passes and target DJ Moore 12 times as soon as you get off the bus, right? I mean, that's what you want to do. If that would happen, it would be fine. It's just that these Baker Mayfield targets have been awful. And Terry McLaurin is, and by the way, Carson, I'm not so down on Carson Wentz. He was the QB 14 last year yeah. in fantasy football in six point touchdown leagues. It's just that it's so volatile and you paid a fourth round pick for Terry McLaurin. So it feels like a whiff. If you're playing in a three receiver and a flex league, at least you could put him in the lineup. DJ Moore right now, you're going to need a show me game from <sighs> Baker Mayfield just fucking stinks, man. I mean, it just stinks. Is he going to be on the league? Is he going to be out of the league next year? I mean, who? Nobody's uh, probably a backup, right? He's, you know, it depends. I don't know that Baker Mayfield has the mentality to be a backup. He didn't want to be a backup in his last organization. I can't imagine he wants to be a backup anywhere else. So this very well may be the end of Baker Mayfield. And it's unfortunate because, you know, I had a lot of conversations with people in Dynasty. People were holding on to him, waiting for that trade or that move. Then he goes to Carolina and it's like, oh, this is the moment. And then he just, he reveals himself again, right? And then we're like, oh, yep, same guy. Nothing's changed. So um, this could be the end of it. I, I'm quite certain of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that maybe he's the Colts' next next uh, veteran backup. Um, next veteran starter next year. Here we go. You ready for this one? <laughs> yes. Bloop. Okay. I like the Street Fighter call because that's who I feel. Okay. Of these two players, whose production is more believable long-term? Do we believe that what we're seeing out of each guy is the future and what we can expect for the, the long term, or is some of the production that we've seen possibly fraudulent due to circumstance with either one of these guys? Finally, some, uh, some elite players. I think that these guys are both uh, first round dynasty startup picks next year. Nate lists yeah. uh, in single quarterback leagues. And if you're playing in super flex leagues, they're, they're both top six or seven wide receivers. Still uh, the, the age is on their side. Everyone loves AJ Brown. His situation actually got better. Who knew if he targeted AJ Brown a lot that he would do well. Oh, everybody. Right. Yeah. At least he's in a good situation. Now you talk about that age situation, right? CD is about what is it, a year and a half or two years Younger, 24 and 26 of the two yeah, ages. About slightly have better. Yes. Yeah, so C.D. Lamb, I mean, you know how dynasty players are ageist, but he's producing. And I, I still believe that Dak Prescott is one of the elite real NFL throwers in the NFL. So that insulates C.D. I mean, I think they're both believable because they're both in good situations with contract insulation. They're both first-round dynasty startup picks. I, I believe in them both, but if you make me choose – if you're making me choose, I want the monster named AJ Brown. Oh, spicy. That's really spicy. Um, I think it's really close. And I wanted to say, I, I almost want to push. I think these guys are both top five dynasty wide receivers. I think they've been right in the range of top five. AJ Brown for me slid a little bit because I had my concerns with Jalen Hurts. Um, I still sort of do. I here's here's my difference between these two guys. 
I could see CeeDee Lamb, because I do agree that I think Dak is still one of the premier players in the league at the quarterback position. I could see CeeDee Lamb consistently producing for fantasy owners. I actually believe with A.J. Brown, we're going to get more of that volatility in the sense that you always hear guys go, well, do you want the floor player or do you want the guy that gives you a ceiling? Well, A.J. Brown's going to give you a ceiling. Uh, but I do think that that's going to come with a bit of a floor as well that you're going to have to eat potentially week to week. And we've seen just a smidge of it this year. But, you know, when you look at CeeDee Lamb, his his target share is alpha level at this point. Like, people were like, oh, he's only getting 18% target share. He's a beta. He's this. He's that. Well, clearly he's not. And he's proving it with Cooper Rush. Now, look, I get people's point. They're like, well, he's doing it with Cooper Rush. Yeah, if those are balls from Dak, though, they're even better. Like, Dak is a better, more cerebral quarterback that could probably hit CeeDee Lamb or set things up in such a way that it actually makes it easier for him, um, but he's top five in deep targets. He's seen over a hundred air yards in every game this season. That was the note I meant earlier. Um, mm-hmm. And and between these two guys, I just want to bring up a scenario with AJ Brown. I just want to run you through these first four games because I thought this was interesting, and I'd like to get your thought on it. So let me let me run through this scenario. Okay. So currently in 2020, um, you look at Jalen Hurts. He's averaging 13.1 rush attempts a game, which is number one at the position. And though A.J. Brown is seeing a target share of 32.2%, it's coming on the backbone of a team that is number 24 in pass attempts. Okay, so volume's not enormous. Let me break the usage down. In week one, he saw 13 targets, 25 fantasy points. In that game, Jalen Hurts rushed 17 times, but Devonta Smith was a non-factor in that game for targets. Week two, Hurts rushes 11 times. Devonta sees seven targets. A.J. Brown sees eight targets. This is kind of where I'm leading to my concern. Week three, Hertz rushes nine times. Smith sees 12. AJ Brown sees 10. Then finally in week four, Hertz rushes 16 times. Smith sees four. AJ Brown sees just seven targets. So here's a couple things at play. One, he's being ultra efficient on not a high level of volume. Two, that volume is being buoyed by 13 rush attempts a game by your quarterback. Dak Prescott, 3.5 to 4 over the course of his career. So you're not losing opportunity to rushing attempts. And number three, if Devonta Smith gets a lot of targets, that probably means that A.J. Brown isn't. And that's one of the most problematic factors for me with A.J. Brown. I love him. I think he's one of the most talented receivers in the league. But that's where I differentiate the two guys. Yeah, so... You make a very persuasive case. Here would be uh, a couple notes I would add into that thesis is that the target floor is higher than it was in in Tennessee, right? You would see games where A.J. Brown had four targets. That ain't happening anymore. The target floor is six or seven. And what do we know about A.J. Brown is that he could be highly productive on a very low amount of targets. He's yep. very efficient. That's one of his superpowers. So I'm not going to ding him for that. I'm going to buoy him for that. Now, C.D. Lamb, the reason that you drafted C.D. Lamb in redraft this year is because it was a volume play. We say, oh, this is a good wide receiver, and he might have 200. I mean, that was what you know the, the fun narrative was. He might actually be, have 200 targets this year. Uh, he's a good receiver, and I love C.D. Lamb, and I like his setup, but which one of these guys is more susceptible? Like, let me give you a made-up scenario. Let's say Michael Thomas, an aging veteran, was a free agent next year, mm-hmm. and he was going to sign with one of these two teams. Which one of these players would you be more concerned for from a fantasy football perspective? And you don't have to answer it. Oh, I, I go, mean, ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'll, go ahead. I'll gladly answer it. Um, if I had to pick between these two guys, I'd probably be more concerned about CeeDee Lamb, but that's also because he plays in the slot a lot more for that particular scenario. But no, I... 
I I get your point. Here's what we need to see. And I think this is this is a fair comparison. When Michael Gallup is fully healthy, when this team is back mm. to normal with Dak Prescott, let's see if the opportunity persists. Because maybe CeeDee Lamb does come down a little bit, right? Maybe that's the change in this offense that sort of levels these two out. The, the big difference, though, the big difference for me, not only is A.J. Brown running out you know, on the outside, but he's so good after the catch. He's better after the catch than CeeDee Lamb is after the catch. So... It's efficiency, but it's also an ability with the ball in your hands. And so it is very close for me between these two. So really, what's the actionable takeaway from comparing A.J. Brown and and CeeDee Lamb? This is what it is, is that you're going to be in a dynasty startup because we know that you have the dynasty startup addiction like we all do, Nate, and your listeners. And you're going to be on the clock at pick six. And these two guys are going to be staring you at the face in your single quarterback league. And you're going to have to make a decision. So who's it going to be for you? You said you're going to you're going to click yes on CD Lamb, and for me, I think at the time it's going to be a very tough decision, and that's why I'm just going to click AJ Brown and then do another startup the next month and then take CD Lamb. There's no wrong answer here, but put, uh, put it to the Sophie's Choice test. I like the efficiency of AJ Brown, but like I said, I'm not going to tell anyone to take CD Lamb that they're wrong. I love this take, uh, Franz Franz. Hertz is becoming the NFC Josh Allen. Um, here's my thing too. I think we're going to learn a lot about these two players in this situation this year. CD finally got the opportunity to be the alpha Gallup's coming back healthy. Dak is going to come back healthy. We're going to see a lot and learn a lot over the next couple weeks. Conversely, same with AJ Brown. Let's see if it's a trend. Let's see if it's a pattern because much like Nick Chubb, if we turn the dial back on that efficiency, that's a hallmark of AJ Brown. What does that production suddenly look like? And that's one of the concerns. That's why I love volume. It's like Deontay Johnson, right? Deontay Johnson gets fed. He's he's not a fast player. He's not ultra dynamic necessarily after the catch, but he gets yards after the catch. Whereas A.J. Brown is just truly the total package. I know he's been called a unicorn before. Terry McLaurin mm-hmm. had unicorn traits and didn't do jack shit with them. Uh, but I agree with you. I think that's a great point. You're staring at these two players in a startup. Who do you pick? I think a lot of people would probably go A.J. Brown. I mean, truth be told, I think. I think it would be like 55-45, and I can't tell you who would win that. Paul, the other litmus test you could do is say, if this player was gone for the year, if he, God forbid, suffered a year-ending injury, which one would have more value when they return healthy? And I think that that, you know, that's probably C.D. Lamb. I mean, right? I mean, if I think that's that's an age thing. That's you know, it's an injury history thing or lack thereof injury history. Sure, you know, AJ Brown has had his his bouts. Uh, you know, what? I'm going to say this for you while you're you're flipping to the next uh, yeah, the next topic here is that listen, Nate List gives you so much great content. If you like content like this and you think it is valuable to you, consider hitting the like button. Consider <laughs> leaving a comment. Consider sharing. You don't have to. You don't have to. And I'll say it so he doesn't have to. But if you do like stuff like this and you're entertained by it, please consider hitting the like button. It helps out. What a That's mensch. It. What a mensch, Alan. <laughs> Just a real, look at this guy. He's doing the Lord's work on the show. Look, we have a lot of show topics, so I'm going to do what other people might not, and I'm going to skip around <laughs> at some point yeah. so that you don't have to die out here. But I actually think this is an interesting one. I want to talk about these two quarterbacks. Yeah. Let's do this one. Jared Goff and Geno Smith, because I thought this was interesting as I was looking at this. Assuming they're both extended, which quarterback has more value to you going forward? Because I think my bold take in the offseason was that Jared Goff was going to get extended this year. And there was a lot of reasons to support that. But I thought that Jared Goff might be the answer um, in Detroit. I thought he was going to get an extension this season. 
I did not expect, as a Seahawks fan, I did not expect Geno Smith to play the way that he's playing. I don't know if it's a mirage, but you tell me. Well, Geno Smith is basically doing the one thing, and you watch a lot of Seahawks football, that Russell Wilson refused to do. Take what the defense is giving him, and he's profiting from that, right? I mean, you were starting to see that Pete Carroll said, if you just do as we ask you to do, this can be a, a nice, fruitful offense. So I think that Gino, as much as I love him as a, as a Jets fan, you know, he was good until he got smacked in the mouth a little bit, is a good quarterback. And, I, you know, he could at one year be like the 14th best quarterback, one year be the ninth best, the next year be the 18th best. Jared Goff has something that very few NFL quarterbacks have. That's called the number one overall draft pedigree. That lasts a lifetime. Look how much money Sam Bradford, who was – not a great quarterback made. Jared Goff is an excellent quarterback when he's not pressured, and he's a probably average quarterback when he is pressured. Jared Goff, everyone thought that he was just a placeholder until the Lions tank and get uh, you know one of the, the elite quarterbacks coming out next year, Young or Stroud or whatever. It's not happening, right? Jared Goff is showing that if you give him an offensive line, and I don't again, I don't think this is a fair comparison because you're talking about someone with such high draft pedigree. Yep. yep. Whereas the Geno Smith is always going to be on a one year contract. He's yep. never going to get a multiple year extension. So for Dynasty and redraft, Goff is the QB four right now. I think just based on prospect profiles and what we've seen in the NFL, I'm pro Goff, but this is not an anti Geno rant whatsoever with the great weapons he has. I just like that, that you don't, you don't pull any punches. You're, you're, you're a straight shooter. And I appreciate that about you. <laughs> I think between these two guys, to me, it's very clearly golf, of course, you know, and, and, you know, for a couple of the guys that I talked to in the off season that we were talking about available quarterbacks. And it was like, look, golf is a free square. He's been a free square all off season and dynasty. And you can see this team is putting more and more weapons around him. You know, the draft, Jamison Williams, who I'll talk about in a second. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown takes this step forward or continues to play the same. They get DJ Chark. You know, TJ Hawkinson, a year older, a little more experience at the position. The capable running backs in this offense. But what I wanted to say about Goff is I, I've seen him different from Geno Smith as a top 10 quarterback in the right system, right? And here we go again. He's top five at the position. And even while facing his two toughest defenses of the year in Philadelphia and Minnesota, Goff still had an average floor of 15.7 fantasy points per game across those two games. That's something that Baker Mayfield cannot say throughout his career. Baker Mayfield would just literally disappear into the oblivion. You know who else who can't say that this year? Russell Wilson can't say it. Kirk Cousins can't say it. So we're seeing Goff playing at a level. He looks impressive versus different types of coverage. He's top three in air yards without Jamison Williams, which is a shock because Amon Ross St. Brown doesn't go anywhere downfield. And this is still while being outside the top 10 in pass attempts. So there are just so many reasons to get on board with Jared Goff. And he's still not expensive for these teams that for these teams that want to take a risk and want to take a swing. I know that the extension conversation really hasn't come up yet, but if Jared Goff catches a three-year extension this year in Dynasty and you were able to buy him at the going rate of, well, let's see what Keep Trade Cut says he is right now, the going rate of the QB 21, and he's producing like he is as a top four guy, even if he's a top 15 quarterback at that price, and I think he'll do a little better than that, you're getting a steal. Quarterbacks are hard to get, and I still think people don't believe in Jared Goff. But what you're seeing has been impressive. And on the point of, of Gino, I'm totally with you. I, and sometimes I've wondered, is it every organization failed Gino or was he the problem? Um, and you said it exactly right. He's taking what defenses give him. 
The three defenses that he faced that were not San Francisco, he finished with three top 15 outings, two in the top seven. When he faced San Francisco, it was abysmal, 7.1. But you can't take what's not there, right, for San Francisco. So it, you're right. It's not a fair comp. Yeah, it, but it is because these are two quarterbacks that were basically like at the end of your super flex drafts. Jared Goff probably wasn't drafted in your single quarterback leagues. But remember the, the narrative over the summer was, oh, he's the best QB three in super flex league. No, he's you'd rather have him over Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers right now. And certainly in Dynasty and in redraft, there's a very good argument for the Tom Brady thing. So uh, Geno Smith, uh, I'm so confident in him for the rest of the year was I actually just made a trade in my super flex league where I traded away Derek Carr because I needed a running back for J.K. Dobbins. You would never do that trade. Normally, for Derek Carr, Derek Carr is a top 12 fantasy sure. quarterback. Sure. But I have Geno sitting there. So I think that if you found it, you got Geno for a dollar in your auction, you got him for a free pick at the end of, of your drafts. Uh, X, I like that you comp these two guys. And in Dynasty Fantasy Football, I mean, obviously, there's one answer. Yeah. It's Jared Goff. I mean, it, you really can't go any other way. Uh, once again, shout out to Joel. Appreciate I, you, man. We've got we've got people that are fans of, of Allen in the chat. That tall guy you know, again, this guy's a shark in the chat. He will pop up every so often uh, during an episode and really chew a take to pieces. Uh, bring him up right here. Becoming a big fan of Alan Soslowski. Uh, so look at that, man. You're yeah. you're winning people over. You're just such a charming, charismatic. We've got porn well, bots in the chat. I'm like, yeah, I saw that, by the way. By the way, I, I'm copying and pasting that site. I'm going Do to it. that site immediately after. That, that's a real site, right? If I click on that, nothing bad Chat will happen to Chat-69.xyz. dash 69 I'm not sure. That sounds like a great With all the ellipse to emojis? Get a, to get a virus. But I'm like Geno Smith. With the right environment, I could flourish. So right now, I'm flourishing in this in, in the Nate-less environment. So I'm the Geno yeah. Smith of... Uh, of dynasty podcast. You're, you're much better than the Geno Smith of dynasty <laughs> podcast. No, you've got, again, you've got informed takes. I love it. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to decide where to go with this next one. Um, I'm going to ask you this one. This this can be a semi quick answer. Let's try this one on for size. Uh, let me swap this one out. I don't know what's going on. Things popping up, oh. popping down. Okay. I love the Chiron work, man. You're doing, you're producing the show. You're hosting the show. You're giving uh, informed takes. Uh, this it's, I, I, when I just host, I get sweat down my neck and then it's so you're appreciated, man. You're pulling the levers. Alan, all this I stuff. couldn't do this without fun guests like you. I mean, as you're aware, like as a host of a podcast at maybe some other weeks on podcasts, I've had to do this. You really have to be, you have to be steering the prop engine on the back and mm steering the boat and like doing all these things and it's very difficult being the energy but you bring an energy to this show that's just it's true i appreciate unrivaled. it my brother yeah no we uh we do it on sirius xm too it's like you're hearing a producer like talk in your ear and then you're like have a commercial read and then you're trying to do i think the other day i was talking about something and the guy goes what the hell are you talking about i just started reading something <laughs> on my screen i was i lost it for a second i needed like a um uh an unplug and replug back in to get back in we it, didn't so. bring that up you you're on xm radio as well right when, when can people hear you on there 9 a.m. Sunday mornings. We just get update you on all the uh, on channel 87 on Sirius XM radio for the rest of the season. Love it, man. And then so who cool. knows? Then, then we'll see what happens. After so that. cool. All right. Where are you at on you. this one? Wow. Uh, this is I, I don't now I feel like if I say anything bad here, I could offend you with Juju Smith-Schuster. So I still think you were right with your your uh, offseason take on Juju Smith-Schuster. Hmm. The, the only thing that disturbs me about these two guys is one was overpaid. One was underpaid. OK, that was the the offseason 
narrative that we're following here. So what does that really mean is that the Jaguars are prioritizing Christian Kirk. Forget that he was overpaid. He's prioritized. Yes. Right. And now that's coming true on the football field. They're feeding him targets. He had a little bit of a down game last game. Juju Smith-Schuster was a little bit. Everyone was surprised at how little he was paid. So he's not a priority for the Chiefs. That said, Juju's already actually done it, right? He's been a top five wide receiver. Yes, I'm old enough to remember when Juju Smith-Schuster was considered the dynasty 1-1, and I may or may not have overpaid for him two firsts and two seconds. Kill me, please, now. Mm -hmm. uh, so is this a dynasty? Who do you have? Or is this a redraft? Who do you have here? Is that is that I, the question? It's a. This is a dynasty. Who do you have? This is, this is a dynasty. Yeah. I think that this would have been a laughable thing over the summer. You would have easily said Juju, but you have to be impressed with how they're using Christian Kirk. And if you play in a PPR league, you have to feel a little bit better about, again, the contract insulation. It's a two to three year guaranteed deal here, meaning that he's going to likely be on the team for this season plus the next two. And you have to like what they've done in Jacksonville. I'm sorry, Nate, because I really wanted this Juju thing to work out. And I still think it might, but I think that, Christian Kirk is a top 12 rest of season receiver and Juju Smith-Schuster. He's borderline playable. If he has another down week, this, this is a loaded question both ways because this off season, I hedged my bets. Christian Kirk was a player that I was really high on. And Juju Smith was a player that I was really high on. Oh, so I can't lose. Oh, oh. is that a dice, a dice clip? <laughs> that is, that is. Oh, beautiful. I, beautiful. I can't lose here, but I will agree with you. I brought up Juju Smith. The contract thing isn't in his favor like it is Christian Kirk. But yeah, you're exactly right. Maybe Kirk was overpaid. Probably. And well, the performance would tell you that maybe he wasn't overpaid. If he continues to perform like he did through the first three weeks, then he probably wasn't overpaid. But I don't know that Jacksonville needed to do this considering he was one of the first dominoes to fall. Really interesting that he was the guy that got this monster contract first. And then that just... That just killed the whole league. That drove it into a totally different direction. But, you know, he's got... It's really unfortunate, too, because I think that the performances that we saw in the first three weeks are not indicative of the actual ranking that he has. He put up 17.7 points, finishes the wide receiver 19 in week one. In week three, he had 19.2 fantasy points, was the wide receiver 14. Like, there's been clearly some monster performances out there. But right now, 17.8 fantasy points per game. He's got the contract. He's being used... Top 13 target share. I don't personally think it's close, but there's people out there that believe that what Christian Kirk is doing is fraudulent as well. I think they think that Christian Kirk in this offense isn't for real. They think that Juju in Kansas City still has a ton of value. I don't think my take's necessarily dead. One thing about uh, no, um, not dead. Juju not as well, dead. I just want to throw this out there. Number two in the NFL in yards after the catch versus man coverage. I, I still think that Juju's got something left in the tank, and I think that it's a combination of developing amongst this offense, this run game being ultra-efficient. I think some things can start to turn the corner, but here, these two players, uh, I, I don't think it's really close. I mean, you would agree it's not really close. No, it's, it's what the teams want to do. 
the teams don't want to have a lead singer on Kansas City. They want to have Travis Kelsey and then a bunch of people playing instruments in the background, right? They yeah. want they don't want to feed uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. With Christian Kirk, they've decided that he is going to be a focal point of the offense. And again, was it that he was overpaid or was it in Arizona he was underutilized or improperly utilized? So that's a real question right now. I, I don't think it's a question of talent. And I think that when you talk about fraudulent production – the production is here. He is Christian Kirk is now in the circle of trust, the fantasy players. Yes. So you can call him fraudulent or say that, oh, he, you know, I'm not sure about him going forward. But every, you don't even think about him. You put him in your lineup, and there is something to that in fantasy football. That has value. You put him in there, and then you worry about the other positions. With Juju Smith-Schuster, you're like, should I start Brandon Ayuk? Should I start, can I start Allen Robinson again? You have those agonizing questions, and then, Nate, you get those questions on game day those impossible start sits that you can't answer anyway because they're well, impossible. You're, you're always chasing the production. All right, Alan, I, I listen, you're on a heater right now. So I want to give you a 106 mile an hour fastball right down the middle of the plate. And I want to see if you can hit it. T Higgins or Jalen Waddle. Now, no real reason to ask this question other than the fact that I think it's intriguing um, because I think both of these players are the 1B in their own offenses. I'm willing to argue that to the death. I love Jamar Chase, but I think T. Higgins has proved throughout his career that he needs to be treated as a 1B option at least every other week. Go check the data. Um, Jalen Waddle, with that being said, has been great since last season, and this year we saw a version of Jalen Waddle that was unlocked, different than we saw last year. So between these two guys, is it close? And if you had to pick, again, this is a dynasty question, where does your head go? Jalen Waddle is going to go a good four or five wide receiver spots ahead of T. Higgins in these drafts, and I and it's because it, it what you said is T. Higgins can become the alpha wide receiver at any given week. We saw last year that there was like four or five weeks where he became that guy, right? But I just think that there's a lot of ways that Jalen Waddle can produce for fantasy. He can go deep like we saw in his college days, or he can produce like he did last year. Now, Tyreek Hill is a monster producer as well, and there's obviously, you know, these guys have the same problem on different teams. So then let's go to the quarterbacks, right? We obviously like the quarterback situation a lot better in uh, in Cincinnati, but I just think that it's not it's not really going to matter long term because these guys they're basically going to go back to back as far as wide receivers. When I say five spots apart, I may have said wide receiver, just five spots apart in a draft. You're going to see them both go in the second round of dynasty startup drafts. It's almost an impossible question. I think that you're leaning T. Higgins. I like Jalen Waddle here, but I'm no no. Go ahead. I just I yeah. Yeah. You're making assumptions about me right now, and I yeah, I am. I'm 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 making judgments about you. Uh, T. Higgins can take over uh, at any given time, but I think Jalen Waddle's role is uh, is it's carved out, and the target tree as of right now is very narrow there. So Jalen Waddle, as a second receiver, is going to get his 10, 12 targets a game, whereas T. Higgins, there's going to be a little bit more volatility. I love both players. I would side on Waddle here because we're seeing what he could do even with average to below average quarterback play. Hmm. I mean, I'm looking at Jalen Waddle's targets this year, and there's one game in there where it was absolutely monster, but outside of that one game, Waddle 5, 6, and 5. Now, to your point, 
Jalen Waddle in those games, five targets, 17.7 points, six targets, 15.1 points. You make you make the case. This is the argument with Jamar Chase over T. Higgins. T. Higgins rarely explodes without the target opportunity. That's the difference in that dynamic capability with Jalen Waddle. And the other thing with Jalen Waddle is we have seen Tua in Miami you know, with a concerted effort to bring both guys to life in the same game. With T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, I don't know if you ever saw this tweet. I've cited it on the show. I had a tweet last year. Maybe it was this year. Only in one game that these two guys played together last season were they both top 20 wide receivers. T. Higgins mm-hmm. and Jamar Chase, in like 12 games together, only one time did they both finish as top 12. So it's an interesting stat. And when you go look at Jamar Chase, it's often one guy's on, one guy's off, uh, on and on again. And for me, T. Higgins has gotten the volume week to week. I know that the target share isn't necessarily the same, but they're tied to Joe Burrow. I don't know the outcome of Tua. Um, but I can see the argument for Jalen Waddle. I'm just such a fan of T. Higgins. And to the point that you made, you, you believe that these two guys, you, when you said four spots, you mean literally like draft yeah, spots. Yeah, like so right. one of them will go, right, draft spots, right? Yeah. They'll, you know, a running back can get sprinkled in there. And in different drafts, they could be flip-flopped. I think that these guys will have a wide receiver ADP that is basically connected. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that with, with T. Higgins, you know, and it's so funny because people bring up that, and I've actually, I'm glad we brought this up tomorrow afternoon. I've got a video about T. Higgins, about Jamar Chase, why they are both buys in Dynasty. And you're like, yeah, really? Well, they actually are buys in Dynasty for a lot of reason. And I can bring it up with Jamar Chase. The three consecutive low performance games in a row has been a big differentiator in how people viewed him and Justin Jefferson neck and neck. Suddenly, Jamar's being viewed as maybe the second best receiver in the league. And a lot of consensus is he's actually lost a little bit of value amongst that one and two option. And any loss of value to Jamar Chase, to me, makes him a buy. T. Higgins, to me, has the potential to be a top five dynasty wide receiver. I really believe it. And I already have Jamar Chase inside the top five at number one. With that being said, when he's viewed as the number 11 receiver in Dynasty or the top 13 wide receiver in Dynasty, to me, that's like an extreme value on a guy that showed us no reason not to favor him. I mean, again, he got hurt in week one, right? So he only ran 14 routes in week one. Short of that, 19, 14, and 25 fantasy points. Meanwhile, Jamar Chase has been an absolute disappearing act. Um I, I see your point. I, I think it's really no, close. I want to I want to underline something you just said because I think it's important right here. I think that is a, a, a the where they haven't produced at the same time. It's alternating weeks. That's that volatility is you, you don't really want that in your top wide receiver. But all, as long as they get the production at the end of the season, that's fine. And wide receivers going to be volatile. Whereas Waddle and Tyreek Hill, it's kind of like when Larry Fitzgerald and Aquan Bolden were at their peak, right? They both can produce. Uh, consistently top 10, top 12 wide receiver numbers. But I think that's important, though, um, what you said there. That's really interesting. I do remember you pushing that tweet out, that when it's when Jamar Chase is gone off, T. Higgins takes a backseat. When T. Higgins goes off. So if they can maybe balance that a little bit, too. You're right, though. T. Higgins has that true alpha profile, but Jalen Waddell, we've seen that he can score fantasy points in bunches in different parts of the field and with less volume, as you're pointing out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting dichotomy. It's the only reason I bring it up because I can see it going either way, and and neither of these factors 
are, are bringing up whether Tua doesn't come back healthy. Neither of these factors factor in if the— Does it matter? What, <laughs> Does it matter? Maybe not. If But if neither of these guys are healthy, it's just interesting what they did with, with Tua this year, or excuse me, with Jalen Waddle, and obviously it's a change of coaching because we know Jalen Waddle was this deep threat in college, got utilized like he was a Monroe St. Brown last season, and now he's being unlocked, and now we're seeing sort of this real version, this authentic version of what he's capable of. So I think if that target share normalizes, and again, his target share this year has him as a top 17 guy, but that's because he got more targets in one week than you know most receivers get in, what, three weeks in a row. So, mm-hmm. um, But the opportunity's there, and the offense is there. Hey, Nate, so a uh, tall guy, he actually brings up a good point, but I, I he was yeah. asking, I still question the Higgins and Chase splits need a big sample. So... You're never going to get a big sample in football. A big, a full season is 17 games. So that's not a big sample. Like careers aren't big samples in football. So I just think that we have to deal with the sample that we have. Obviously one game, but it's a good point. It's not like baseball when you're going to get multiple hundreds of ups or outs or innings. In, in football, it's just you have to deal with the sample that we give. Everything's relative, and there's going to be volatility. Are you ready for a tweet that that got everybody pissed at me? Another Jamar Chase tweet. I'm not knocking Jamar Chase because I love him. Here it is. In the regular season, Jamar Chase has just one back-to-back top 20 or better week in his career. Wow. That's, That's... a fact. That's a real statistic. Yeah. One it was time. why that. Yeah, it was it was why that I believed, uh, and again, I'm not the only one believe this. This is a popular belief that Justin Jefferson not only was the wide receiver one in Dynasty, but the clear wide receiver one in Dynasty. That he had the commensurate high floor, yeah. consistency, and ceiling. Can so. I ask you? Can I ask you a question? Nobody's listening. Nobody hears this question. I'm just going to ask you. I keep hearing. I'm being told, Alan, that I'm being told that. T. Higgins needs Jamar Chase. Without Jamar Chase, he's going to be unsuccessful. But based on the information that I'm seeing, it seems like when T. Higgins is on the field, it makes it more difficult on Jamar Chase to perform. And I don't understand, porn bots are back, I don't understand how (laughs) T. Higgins being as good as he is hasn't benefited Jamar Chase because I actually think both these players need each other an equal degree. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's certainly not a Batman and Robin. It's uh, you know, it's Superman and Batman, right? There's there's two two alpha wide receivers on the. You know, you could say which side of that you're on. I know some people think Batman is the ultimate alpha, but I'm sorry that Superman's the yeah, ultimate well, alpha. But you know, Superman's yeah, not Bat- a human. Right. Well, I'm just you know, Batman well, is. You get the point is is that there's no Batman and Robin. These are two. These are one and one a. And you know, would have been interesting. Like if if Green Bay had drafted. Uh, uh, T. Higgins instead of taking Jordan Love, right? Yeah. I mean, he would. We'd be talking about him as a true alpha with Aaron Rodgers. No, I don't think either of these guys need each other. But I think it's a clear. Uh, it's where sometimes you worry about: does the other guy take away from you, or does he help shift coverage? That's the chicken or the egg theory. I think the fact that there's no real tight end of note. I know Hayden Hurst has gotten some love this year. Tyler Boyd could show up when needed. He would be a great number two on most teams. But for the most part, the targets are funneled through these two guys. I think that they complement each other. They don't hurt each other. In yeah. fact, you could say they help each other. That tall guy, you know, it's a great call. This, though it's just weird to me that Cincinnati is the only elite offense that can't support two elite fantasy options. I mean, by season's end, they both are producers, but on any given week, you're not getting that two, you're not getting that Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill level of, you know, production in tandem. 
And by the way, you brought up Superman. I've thought about this before. He was one of the early superheroes before they were like, they were like, fuck, we gave him too many superpowers. Faster than a speeding bullet, laser eyes, super strength, can hear from a long way. Can leap, you know, tall buildings in a single bound, right? I, tall buildings in a Why is it that his jumping is hindered? His jumping isn't hindered. He can leap tall buildings in a single bound. Yeah, but a building's only like what? Like what's the tallest building? Like uh, Dubai's like I mean, a thousand you know, something feet? Is that even that tall? I mean, go back to when the, the the World Trade Center was around or the Empire State Building. Those yeah, are but it's tall. Like a thousand Chicago. Feet. Is it, isn't like the isn't the stratosphere like like thirty thousand feet up or something? Or right. higher? It's like eighty thousand or it's not even that high. The guy flies in outer right. space and he made the world. Turn the other way. <laughs> Reverse. We turn back time. That, that those old Supermans are better than any modern day oh. Marvel bullshit or whatever. Oh. Those old school Supermans were so bad yeah. they were good. God, it's Christopher like, Reeves stuff. Yes, like the old Batman when they would do the onomatopoeia on the screen and then it would change and it's like yeah. and they would just ah. right. we got right. off track. The, uh, <laughs> that's all right. That's okay. That's how it goes. Um, <laughs> I forget where we were. I forget where we were. No idea. I, I was yep. going to take you into the next level of this game. We So yeah. we're, you know, I think we've gone through a bunch of these questions. We're hitting the hour and a half mark here. So I don't want to, I don't want to drag you into the abyss. I don't want your wife to come in and check on you again. Um, She's probably happy. She's watching her TV. You know? Exactly. Well, it's a good night to do it. So, hey, listen, I've got a dynasty question for you that I want to pitch to you. So let's do a trade question right now. We try to do things. Thanks, man. We try yes. to do everything. With everything. sleeper head in there. I mean, come on. Oh, oh. Well, let me let me let me yeah, enjoy this go for ahead. a second. Good. The the shaking of the graphic, the the music with it. I mean, oh. In a vault. In a vault. Oh. Alan, you know, that's why that's why I like you. Okay. I well I'm we're gonna in, go I'm envious. We're, we're gonna go another level right now. Here we go. You ready? Let's look at the trade. We'll go one more level deep, a little change on the ground. So look, we've got Trey Lance and a 2023 third round pick or Trevor Lawrence straight up. This is a super flex question. Let's hit the next. Here we go. Let's change the screen for everybody. Boom. Bottom of the screen. Wow. Look, we go. We're like an onion on this show, man. We're like an onion. Yeah. I was like, what's it going to be next? This is like for a video editor and for, you know, a wannabe graphic designer like myself. This is Christmas morning. I appreciate you know. it. Yeah. Well, Hanukkah morning. I should uh, say. Yes, exactly. Which given, day? Given the context. What yeah, day? Yeah, given the con. Yeah. Given the con. It's Purim. It's Purim. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny because we'd always get to the end of Hanukkah and gifts always got bigger when I was a kid. Right. And then we started doing that with my daughter and she's just like final yeah. day. And we had to, we had to yeah, reduce yeah. the gifts. Yeah, no, you have to. Yeah, I um, and then you, as you got older, they try to give you the one gift. By the way, I'm grateful for any gift. Don't you know? Sure. Don't wanna, sure. But yeah, the one gift for Hanukkah. You need to have eight separate ones. All right. Uh, yeah, this is an easy call for me. Uh, I mean, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, just think. Okay, let's start with this. What is Trey Lance worth right now in dynasty picks? One first round pick in a super flex league. Well, with the injury and not knowing sort of what the reality of the situation. Even before he got hurt, the Jimmy Garoppolo re-signing was weird. It, it yep. made you feel like they weren't confident in the selection. We were hearing off-season chatter that maybe his accuracy and some of these other things weren't on par. So, yeah, I, I think um, 
Prior to the injury, I, I think there was some questions, maybe two, but it, they were not like but premier not first and not definitely not, not now. Because there is no guarantee that Trey Lance, one, is going to be ready for week one next year, and two, that he's going to be the clear-cut starter, right? It's just, it's not, let's say that, that San Francisco makes a deep run with Jimmy. He could be back again. It could be somebody else. I think that you, to value Trey Lance at one 2023, which are like Bitcoin, these picks right now, right? They're they're valuable. They're appreciating assets, these 23 firsts, I think is generous. And obviously the third is just a, a, a kick in here. This is a Trevor Lawrence smash. Very easy. I stupidly waited too long to uh, – someone offered me uh, uh, Kyler Murray for – they wanted Trey Lance for me plus a first-round pick. I tried to get greedy, and the kid pulled the trade. I should have done that in a heartbeat. Well, Alan, when you're in 30 leagues, how many of those are dynasty, by the way? No, those 31 dynasty, and then I do about 12 redraft. It's sick. I, I need help. I honestly, if there was something for drafters anonymous, I would submit myself and I would go. You should go. Um, I'm, and I'm in two best ball. <laughs> That's the problem. The head to head <laughs> is what makes it so tough, but it's, yeah. it's so hard. I've talked about this before. It's so hard to make trades and be involved with all of them. Um, but back to this trade for a minute. Uh, I'm yeah. with you. I was never, here's the thing. I've always been one of these people. I love the dynamism of the legs. I love what the running capability adds, you know, to the, to the souffle, but there's always questions around the passing. And with Trey Lance in particular, we got that one collegiate year, no interceptions, looked like the guy gets the draft capital, goes to an offense that has all the weapons in the world. And then for whatever reason, everything around it starts to crumble you look on keep trut, you know, keep trade cut. You go to many rankings services, and we're already seeing uh, him fall pretty far. I think he's down around maybe QB nineteen at this point. Um, keep trade cut has him down at uh, QB thirteen. So, but the slide's going to continue if Jimmy plays good. If for any reason he sticks around, like the the bleed will not stop yet. It's going to continue. So I'm with you. I've always liked Trevor Lawrence and you're probably much like me. It was like, if you're going to give the benefit of the doubt to somebody to rebound and find their career, once again, it was going to be Trevor Lawrence. It was just a matter of a better system and better weapons and better coaching and better philosophy. And it all came together. There's one thing I could tell you for certain. Trey Lance is going to have a credible veteran competitor in the backfield next year it could be daniel jones someone like that you know you would hope that trey lance can beat him out but he is not going to be given the keys to the car they cannot trust him to stay healthy yet and obviously the performance thing it would be all speculation he he is not a lot people that were taking him in dynasty startups nate lists ahead of like russell wilson and matt stafford and the kirk cousins types i thought that they that was a real uh, unnecessary risk that's driving while texting right there Right, right. <laughs> it's good. That tall guy, you know, says, what is T-Law's ceiling? And listen, I, we're, we're seeing him finally start to break out this year, but is there any reason to believe that he can't touch the ceiling of the player that he was speculated to make it to one day and a player like Peyton Manning? I mean, is, is it an impossibility for him to ever get there? I mean, obviously the upside is there, but I wouldn't expect that. I think when I think what happened was his he was touted so highly as a prospect that people were only thinking of the upside. The correct evaluation of him was he was too big to fail. That even if things went wrong, he was going to be like the twelfth best quarterback in the NFL. I think that was a little bit more sober and, and correct prospect uh, evaluation of him. Of course, he has the upside, but I would say that it's more likely 
he levels out as the ninth best quarterback than he does the first best quarterback. So is he a Matt Ryan type, you think, in the future? Is that more likely for him? I think he's a poor man's Aaron Rodgers because he has a little bit more mobility, right? Like a very poor man's, like a homeless man's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Why does he have to be a homeless man's Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> he can still be great. I think that sometimes... we, you know, hey, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Look, we we okay. Aaron Rodgers is ridiculously good. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is—he's got forty touchdown seasons. He's got monster performances despite weapons changing around him, coaching staff, you know, personnel changes. He just performs under all conditions. Um, I don't know if I'm not going to go as far as to say that you know Trevor Lawrence is living in the woods, holding up a cardboard sign on the freeway. <laughs> While Aaron Rodgers is sipping a cup of coffee from his from his window, looking across the freeway at this disheveled man, thinking that could I'm be saying his floor his floor is yeah he's probably going to be for fantasy football somewhere between QB nine and QB four uh, for the next you know three to five years. I would say that is a reasonable expectation that the floor is probably not lower than QB ten or twelve. Okay, we did it, man. You got that tall guy you know was loving the uh, homeless Aaron Rodgers comment. I think most people were, Alan. All right. Yeah, so good. we've we've reached the part of the show where you get an opportunity um, to win $500 cash. Now, Alan, I have to tell you this because I'm legally, uh, legally, I have to. That's what my people are telling me. And when I say my people, I mean like our people are telling me. So nobody's ever won. Okay, nobody's come close. In fact, uh, some people didn't answer before the buzzer ran out. Some people answered uh, 15,000 numbers wrong. They were off by 15,000. Um, so we had some outer space questions. We had some football questions. I think that this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Joel here wants you to win the cash. I would love to see you win. Honestly, I want to see you win the cash. Screw- Screw that worthless fiat. I want I want uh, crypto. I want Bitcoin, man. Let's go. One full Bitcoin if I get this right. You got it. And he misses it. That's impossible. Oh, my God. That is impossible. All right. Always graphics on the show. Here we go. So, And it's also, it goes into real life, too, Alan, because there it is. $500 cash right into your hands. I, as I've said before, I will first class mail the briefcase. I'll put a headshot in it. I just got some, I just got some <laughs> dynasty ranking stickers. I got some, look at this great, great. Thank you card right here. Boom. I signed the you, back of it. Not only is this the best produced show in the fantasy football world, right? Yeah, I would also going. say that you have the best chachkas of anybody <laughs> in the fantasy football world. I appreciate it. Look at this. Are you ready for this game? I, I probably not ready, but I'm I'm as ready as I'm gonna be. I'm I'm dialed in. I'm gonna right. you know, I'm gonna do my best. So here's the deal, because I've been I've been yelled at by the chat before. I am going to read the question, then I'm gonna start the timer. You have to get three questions correct in 20 seconds. If you can do so, you win the cash. Simple enough. All right, let's do. All right. Now I hope to God this counter works. It didn't work before. All right. Here we go. How tall are you? Five foot nine. Spell Kyler backwards. Oh, forget about it. Uh, forget it. I'm done already. I'm done. Third question: Are How many he, How many rush yards did Jalen Hurts have in college? Fifteen hundred. I have no idea. The money is safe yet again, everybody. Oh. The money oh. is. Oh. 
All right. Uh, the answer oh. was 3,274. What's really funny is I thought at first I was trying to select a word to spell backwards, but I was like, man, this is going to fuck up literally anybody. I started <laughs> with the, the word cat at first and I was like, uh, nah, they're going to get that. And then I just thought, let's try it. But you just literally caved. Oh yeah, I mean, what's it called? If you're gonna, uh, I was pulled over one time on suspicion of drunk driving when I was completely sober. I must have swerved, and the guy said, "Give me the alphabet backwards." I go, "Are you fucking kidding me?" I said, I- "I'm sober." I- I go, you gotta. Get- that is not a fair question. That is not a right. fair question at all. Right. Uh, that that tall guy, you know, said Alan is the tallest five nine person on the internet. <laughs> I may have squeezed in an extra half an inch. You're Did right you? about that. I might, I, I may have. I you may look have. taller on camera. Um, well, Alan, listen, man, is this was a really fun show. We uh, we went a lot further than I thought. Hour and forty minutes. I was trying to make sure that I was. I I almost halved your your previous uh, show experience. So I, yeah. Nate List, anything for you, anytime. You know how much I, I appreciate your art. I appreciate what you do. I think fantasy football and is better because you're in it. And I love interacting with you. And I think you're, you know, like I said, this is the point. I, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to embarrass you a little bit here. Do it. Please do. Uh, you're, you, yes. I, I, I enjoy everything you do and I hope you keep doing it. And I know you'll be successful at it. And I think that this space is better because you're in it. And I don't say that to many people. There are a few I've said it to. You are in you're on my Mount Rushmore. I appreciate it, man. No, I, I really do appreciate that, Alan. And again, as I it's said true. before, one one of the things, man, I appreciate it. One of the things that I really do love the most and and try to you know support people in, it's not just people that want to make content. I want to help anybody make content. And I do that over on my site and, and with other people. Um, but I want to see people that are interested in innovating, people that are inspired by it, people that you know they they feel they feel a spark when they do something creative. And I think writing gets you there. I just love the people that are willing to take a risk, try to do something different, try to be innovative and find a nugget. And when you find it, I love when the mentality is like, well, how do we keep going further? We got to the moon. We want to get to Mars, you know? You said it exactly right. And here's the, and you do that as well. And this is what I tell anyone, just push publish. It's never going to be perfect. You're going to look like an idiot. A, a certain percent of the time, but just put it out there. Just push publish, get started. Everyone starts with zero followers. Yeah. And by the way, we haven't addressed the fact that when our relate your relationship with me began with you guys crushing my soul and, and stealing my soul. And, but obviously I, that was the minute I knew I loved you guys. You know, I love you. I love uh, Matt. When you guys did it, I thought it was all in good fun. And what I'm referring to, to is if you go to my Twitter, I have that video pinned. 16,000 views. We're talking about vanity metrics. 16,000 views on a stupid little video that I edited after getting my ass kicked verbally uh, after we did a mock draft. You should not have gone Trevor Lawrence in a one QB over Javante Williams. I should have, and I've been proven right. Who's in the (laughs) NFL getting fantasy points, and who is probably at... (laughs) Are you your victory lapping an injury? Oh, absolutely I am. Are you kidding me? I... I would draft Saddam Hussein if he would get me fantasy points. I have no morals when it comes to fantasy football. Look, I, I'm, I'm with you. Look, just give me guys that score points, man. I, I love it, dude. Right. Well, anyway. You you're injured, Javante. Alan, Alan, listen, man. Uh, again, I really appreciate the level that you go to to try to do things um, just m- not even just more thoroughly, just more creatively, you know, more innovatively. I think we need more of that in the space. Um, I appreciate you saying the kind things about me being in the space. I love this show. Cause I get to be more authentic. I think this is a different version of me than 
you ever saw in the past. And that's what I really do enjoy about producing this, working with the people in the chat, man. These guys are, these guys are amazing. It's always fun. So Alan, I will uh, be following along. This is episode nine. I believe you said I will be I here so. when it's episode 900 watching it. So keep doing it, keep nice innovating and just push publish my friend as cool, you've been man. doing. I appreciate it. Tell the people where they can find you. Yeah. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, it's at, Alan Seslowski, and you can see it on the screen there. And then I also, uh, the Rotowire YouTube page, just like Nate, I'm putting out content. I'm helping produce content, uh, you know, with all the thumbnails and this and that. And then also the Rotowire TikTok. I put up videos there. I have my own TikTok as well, but that's where I post a lot of the short form. So Twitter, I post everything. TikTok, at Alan Seslowski, at Rotowire. And then, of course, on SiriusXM, Sundays, 9 a.m. Eastern time, we get you ready for the, the week ahead. Man, you're a, you're a monster, dude. You're you know you're living the dream. You're out there doing fantasy, and uh, dude, your takes are always sharp, and you're always ready, man. So I appreciate you coming on, Alan. I definitely want to get you back, if not on this show. I really do want to do a content conversation because I, there's only a few people in the industry I think I can have that chat with, um, and I think there's a lot of people out there that want to get started, and there's a lot to learn that we can provide. Uh, we're both self-taught, like we talked about. So I think Absolutely. that is also a bit of an inspiration for people that are like, man, how do I even begin? And like you said, you hit publish. Once you hit publish and you want to start innovating, that's where that self-teaching kind of comes into play. So Everybody starts at zero. I don't know yeah. anybody that was handed uh, 50,000 followers to start, you know? No, so. man, it's slow growth for me too. So, all right, everybody in the chat, thank you guys so much. Those of you that stuck around, hit the like button. On your way out, give Alan a follow on Twitter at Alan Soslowski. Uh, this guy's great. His video content, as I said, is great. He's a sharp dude. Was just on Matt Kelly's podcast. Probably was exceptional over there. I, I haven't watched it yet. I started on my drive earlier today, which was six hours. And then I drove back the other way listening to it. But I still have half the episode left. So I'll probably wrap that <laughs> I'll wrap that up tomorrow. So, you got to record of the episode on a six-hour drive. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. He to... knows the pain, man. He knows the pain. You, no, you, you'll good, have a little man. extra insight. It was good. Bye, I brother. think when you've got a great guest, you just keep flowing. So, all right, everybody. Thank you so right, much. Uh, we are out of here. I'll see you guys next week.